we say to America is be true to what you said on paper. If I lived in China or even Russia or any totalitarian country, maybe I could understand some of these illegal injunctions. Maybe I could understand the denial of certain basic First Amendment privileges because they haven't committed themselves to that over there. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly. Somewhere I read of the freedom of speech. Somewhere I read of the freedom of press. Somewhere I read that the greatness of America is the right to protest far right. So just as I say we aren't going to let any dogs or water hoses turn us around, we aren't going to let any injunction turn us around. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now. Because I've been to the mountaintop. I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know the night that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Can I dedicate this joint right here? Jonathan Jackson and George Jackson. Peace to those brothers. One shout out my man Sharon the Worm. 80 years. Come on, nigga. Come on, niggas. Oh. I just burnt my American flag. Sent three cracking Nazis to hell and I'm sad. Uh, I'm loading tips in my mag to silly. Hello, and welcome to the Burn It Down Podcast. I am your host, Jay Hezekiah, along with my co-host, Olivia Seaman. Say hello, Liv. Hello. Today we're gonna be interviewing another family member, uh my sister-in-law. Um, she's from Eugene, Oregon. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Elizabeth, say hello. Hey, everybody. What's up? Uh, My name is Liz Johnson. I, uh, like Jay said, live in Eugene, Oregon. My family and I have been out here for, let's see, since 2000. 
five. So 15 years out on the West Coast, grew up, um, both me and my husband grew up around Philadelphia. But yeah, we love it out here. Um, I am a educator here in Oregon, going into my 11th year in education, and really love living in the Pacific Northwest. That's cool. Um, yeah. So what would you say you your uh, your leanings are politically? Hmm. I, I would say that, you know, they've changed a lot over the yeah. years, just to give you some background, like, Pretty much when I was younger, when I got to voting age, um, pretty much for the next like 10 years after that, 15 years, I was really anti-politics and I, mm-hmm. I didn't vote and I didn't, um, you know, have any political affiliation. I felt like it was all part of the Babylonian system that I didn't want to be a part of. Right. Um, I identified as a Rastafari woman for a long time. And so <clears throat> in Rastafari, there's just not a lot of room for politics. You know, they call them politics. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So I just didn't really affiliate at all. Um, however, uh, this last election, I really got invested. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, was Rastafari, so I didn't really get involved in it much. But once this election came up with Trump as as a possible presidential candidate. I felt like, oh my gosh, what is happening? <laughs> I, gotta, yeah. I have to I have to pick a side here, and not necessarily pick a side, but like just use my my voice and my vote. Um, one of the first elections I I voted in was for uh, Obama's first term, and then after that, you know, I just I would say that it's Democrat. I lean towards the Democrat, but. I mean, really, I don't lead towards anything because we have a two-party system that doesn't appeal to everybody. It certainly doesn't appeal to me. Um, If I could lean one way or the other, I guess it would be independent. But I I don't even really know enough to say that. What I know, what I do know is that the system we currently have sucks. And, um, you know, it sucks having to vote for the lesser of two evils. And that's, like, been the, the motto for these past eight you know, 12 years and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that sucks. But I, my, my main goal for this election coming up is really to just not see Trump in power, in power anymore. And I know that that comes with a lot of like, there's a lot of people who don't necessarily agree with that or, you know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I get wanting to change the system, but I don't think that this election is the system that we're going to use to change it. Um, yeah. I think yeah. Like, the biggest issue is just getting him out of office. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all about human rights and equal rights. I always have been. Uh, I don't know if that has a political affiliation in the country, though, unfortunately. Well, I mean, part of being uh, me and Liv are far, are far leftists. So mm-hmm. part of being a leftist is being for for eager rights, human rights, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, just basic human decency. You know, what I mean, stuff no. we believe in is, you know, I mean, it's pretty much, you know, basic stuff. You know, right? Uh, healthcare, education, true. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, rights for workers. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah. Stuff like that, it's pretty much what we believe in. 
yeah. you know I mean, as leftists. So you might not know it, but you might be a leftist. <laughs> no, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I am. Here's where I get hung up, though. Mm. I get hung up specifically with this with this election coming up. And I know that, you know, several of our family members, Jay, feel this way. But I, I don't. I'm not about writing Bernie in or voting independent in this particular election. And I think that's where yeah. I get hung up. Like, I believe all the th- same things you believe in, mm-hmm. equal rights and justice. I mean, that's what this is about. But I don't think that the answer is is writing Bernie in this year. And I know that that, that sucks and that it kind of messes with some people's ideals of what our system should look like. But... You know, there's a meme going around right now that says Biden sucks, vote Biden. And um, and that's kind of where I am. And I know I know you're not gay. I know it's different. Um, well, well, I mean, I might surprise you there because uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll bring this around full circle. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about, you know, what we're going to do for the election at the end, like I always do. But, yeah. you know, I'm uh, let's just say I'm uh, open to. Uh, all options to get Trump out of office. Yeah, that's, we'll, what, I mean, that's yeah. what I really want to hear. And I know, you know, as it gets closer to election time, we really have to kind of decide what camp we're in um, mm-hmm. and, post, and post up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know six months ago, though, like a lot of people were saying, no, I'm writing Bernie in, and you know, yeah, they're going to vote. They're going to vote Green, which right. is you know an option that it I was is. considering, but you know. We'll talk about we'll talk about that. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an option. I just don't think that it's like. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. This is this probably ain't the the best election for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some other things need to happen first before we. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like focusing more on local elections would probably be the best way to go, that's and that's right. where I'm leaning. Uh, all right, we'll we'll come back to that though. Like okay. I, I like to end on that. Um. Okay, uh, yeah, uh, you mentioned off-call that you were uh, in education. Um, yeah. Obviously, uh, the fascist-in-chief is trying to make himself look good by opening up schools prematurely. Yeah. Um, with COVID-19 happening, uh, I don't think that's the best, the best option. No, no, I mean... So, yeah, I'm an educator. I've been, like I said, going into my 11th year this year. I've worked all different types of positions, full-time, part-time, with kids, without kids. Um, Specialty is special education. So I definitely have some strong points of view about going back to school. Um, And it is not an easy decision for school districts um, or teachers about what the best thing is to do for me um, personally I don't think that we should be going back in any capacity at this point in time. I think that it is um, reckless and uh, just not okay to put that many young people and families in harm's way. You know, it's easy to say that, but when you don't have federal government picking that up, we kind Mm -hmm. of, we have, we have like, families who are like, I can't survive unless like my kid goes back to school. Yeah. Um, so there's so many like issues and layers when it comes to schools reopening and what that's going to look like for families, 
um, particularly families who are single parent households, um, yeah. low socioeconomic um, households, all of that is highly affected, you know? Um, oh, yeah. It's easy for me. I mean, I have a kiddo going into fifth grade. He can likely manage on his own. My husband's self-employed and flexible. My job is flexible, but I'm a very small percentage of people who could see myself through this situation. There's many families who aren't going to be able to, and it's going to be really tough on the economy. And um, yeah, I, it's it's hard. I mean, I think about we closed down in March um, and we had far fewer cases in our county in March and we closed down for the rest of the school year. And now our, our cases have almost tripled in our county and we're talking about Ooh. it yeah. just seems like irresponsible as hell it's it's socially irresponsible and it's really just um you know and what it's doing is it's causing people to get upset with each other and to be angry with each other Mm -hmm. about be angry with the school district and be angry with the mayor but really this comes down to in my opinion comes down to the federal government saying no we don't we we're not gonna open schools we're gonna support families who can't work we're going to provide them some income and some resources and support until this is over. And without that, what you have is a bunch of people being angry at each other because Mm -hmm. they don't know what the hell to do, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we're, 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 we're mad at the wrong people. You know what I mean? Uh, you mad at the school district. I mean, you should be looking up, man. Yeah. It's it's the 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 uh the federal government that's controlling all this and they're not willing to uh break away from their donors who own, who own them and yeah. and you know work for the American people. So they they're, they're going to send all these kids back to school. Some of them are going to get sick. They're going to make the teachers sick. Mhm. <laughs> they're oh going to make God. their, their yeah. family, their parents sick, their grandparents sick. Yeah. And I mean, it's something's really, yeah. It's yeah. very upsetting, you know. And I have a unique perspective. Uh, you know, there there's stuff going around like where they're asking families to sign death waivers and things like that. You know. Mm. Uh, oh my god. Oh yeah, it's 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 rough. But just to share, I mean, you know, obviously Jay knows me. We're family, but like I've lost a child. Um, <gasps> three years ago, I lost my son in an accident, and. I live with that every day. My family lives with that every day. And now this school is going to potentially ask me to sign a death waiver for my only living son. Yeah, oh, hell no. no. You know what I mean? Like, oh, hell no. no. Yeah. not okay. It is not okay on any level for people yeah. to say, for our government to say, for districts to say, oh, it's only 5%. It's only 1% that could potentially die. It doesn't matter. And no life loss. Like, there should be no life loss in this situation mm-hmm. um, because of COVID. It's, it's, it's like, heinous that we're even having these conversations. Um, oh, yeah. Where we're talking about how to problem solve and plan. Like, districts are having meetings and problem solving and planning and putting down on paper what are we going to do if a teacher dies? What are we going to do if a kid dies? Let's put protocols and practices in place. Like, oh, are Jesus you Christ. Me? You know, it's like next level. It's next level. I mean, I've seen things like that not necessarily come out of Oregon, but like Arizona and New Mexico. I've seen school districts who have, who have who wrote that into policy. Like, we need to have a death waiver that parents are not going to hold us responsible if their kid dies of COVID or if their kid no. dies of COVID. Yeah. Like that, that's 
insane to me. <laughs> like, if right. we're having these conversations, we should not be going back to school. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, mm. yeah that's so wow. My, my angle would be my main hope. My, what if I, in a perfect world, if I had it my way, it would be 14 days of no new cases in my county, and then we can slowly open up. But that's not happening right now. You know, that's that's mm. not. So we have cases every day here. There's not a lot, but there's some, and and people aren't socially distancing. You know. You no, know, yeah. You see all the crazy ass videos on Facebook of people sitting down in the middle of Costco without their mask on because they think they have the right, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> I've, I, I uh, we've got a lot of Mennonites up where I live, and uh, none of them are wearing their masks at all. Period. Yeah, I mean, they. I mean, Mennonites don't believe like that, you know, in in any kind of like intervention, medical intervention, they won't get blood transfusions or anything like that. So yeah, they're not going to put a mask on because they think they're protected by God, you know, but, but science, <sighs> science, you know, and like that's the thing people want to argue with science, but it's like arguing that one plus one equals two. No, it doesn't. It's three, man. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> God. Um, Liv, you have anything? Yeah, I, I'm just wondering, um, I'm working in education, I'm, I'm sure you know a lot of people that are in uh, education, uh, what, where, who, who, who stops this? How do we, how do we, how do we stop people from going back to school? How do, how, how does the situation get resolved? Does it have to come? From like, the bottom up, the workers up. Like, I mean, I don't. I mean, yeah. do, do I mean say I'm not sending my kid? Like, are they gonna get in trouble for not sending their kid? Like, I'm no. just curious. In my in my district, we have options, but the options suck. I mean, they're I mean, they're saying if you don't want to send your kid to school, you can become part of an online academy, which is great. You know, it's great if that people want that option, but what it does is it takes away their classroom teacher. It's a whole new set of teachers who manages it. It's oh, that's very right. individualized. It's not like right now, distance learning, you do it in a group with your classmates, but the online academy would be one-on-one, -on -one, no social interaction, you know. Um, but what do we do? I mean, it's interesting. I think it could go one of two ways. The mayor or the governor, like our governor here in Oregon is Kate Brown. She has the power to say, you know, let's shut down schools until there's until your county has no new cases for 14 days. She has that power. She's the one mm -hmm. who needs to make that call. And if she doesn't, then, yeah, I would say it's in the hands of teachers and parents to strike. And I mean, that's certainly not what I want. I want to maintain education for my kiddo. But I also don't want to put his life at risk or my life at risk or anybody else's life that I work with, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what the answer is. I think it you, it's either a top-down or a bottom-up approach either way. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, somebody has to do something, though. I know, and I have, I have a thought slash question, too. Like, um, I know people talk about um, the negative outcomes for kids not being in school during this time. But then I think about um, 
schools like there's there's a school uh, close to me called the Circle School, and like they don't do homework, and it's kind of like self-directed learning. Yeah. And I just wonder if like maybe kids being at home and not being at school this time is going to be as devastating as they're projecting. Because I mean, I wonder if there's like one element that we could potentially like remove the fear of kids not being in school. Yeah. <laughs> I think, so I am less worried about kids having academic gaps than I am about them having social-emotional gaps. And so okay. for me, I work with students. The students I work with are uh, K-12. I work with all, the, all, all grade levels. Um, and they're special education students, the so students on IEP. And a lot of my kids have really rough home lives. So for me, in thinking of them and the trauma that they've been through, like I work with kids who are in day treatment. I work with kids who are in self-contained settings because their behavior um, has been so um, unmanageable in a regular school setting. So I work with like what we call in education, the tip of the triangle kiddos, you know, these kiddos who have a lot of um, things stacked against them. So those are the kids in my heart that and that's why I always sit on the fence with going back to school and not. Um, obviously, for my own family, I don't want to. But I think about those kids and what they are dealing with. And I really want them to come back to school because I know that that is a safe, protected place for them. I don't want them to come back at risking their own health, though, or the health of their families. So, yeah. I mean, but it's a real fear. Like, uh, you know, kids not being in school. I mean, I yeah, there's so many factors. But you can't just kids not being in school bad or not bad or somewhere in between because there's so many other layers and factors um age what they're capable of what their family life is like you know all of those things really play a factor into it which is why it's hard to make blanket decisions for the whole community you know yeah 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 i I mean if i can interject here uh I know, like, where I grew up, like, if this happened when I was a kid, I knew there was, like, a lot of people in my community who were poor, you know what I mean? And the only time they ate was school lunch and school right. breakfast. Yeah. So, like, yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot of kids like that, too. Like, they're yeah. being abused at home. Uh, their families are too poor to afford food. Yeah. Uh, no, Nobody's home because their mom is working, like, three jobs. Right. You know what I, I mean, yeah. yeah so, yeah, there's a lot of layers to this. There is a lot of layers to it. And, I mean, I do appreciate my school district has, um, they continue to provide breakfast and lunch throughout all of spring and most of the summer, too. And I, I suspect they'll start, they'll keep doing it in the fall. So, I mean, I appreciate that they're still providing meals to the community who needs them. But not every district is able to do that. Not every district has the funding or the resources to do that. Um, so yeah, that, that's it's a real it's a real fear having kids be home and like. I mean, I just imagine if my kids were little and I had to keep going to work and they had to stay home and they were in kindergarten or first grade. Like, what would I do? You know, my husband would essentially have to stay home with them. Yeah. And, and that you know it's just it's there's so many complex issues around it oh yeah Mm -hmm. oh yeah you got uh live uh k-12 
Keka is only three, right? So she's not she's not in school, right? Yeah, she's three, and like what one of like me and my me and my husband and my family, we've been doing pretty well throughout this. I think we're definitely blessed, but I worry about the socialization socialization that she's missing out on because yeah. I feel like she's at a super important age, and I uh, I suspect she's on the autism spectrum, like I am myself, and I worry about her. You know, I mean, like, it's it, after there's so many more things, people that have so much more to worry about. But I worry about, you know, like, like I, I wish she could hang out with more kids and get proper socialization because I feel like it's important just, you know, with her potentially being on the spectrum and stuff like that. But, I mean, I guess she's just going to be socialized by, uh, you know, adults. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is hard, and um, I actually have tons of ideas. If you want to talk at another time, <laughs> oh, I would, I would that. love that. I would love I that. A special educator, so there's tons of uh, resources and like online um, programs that can help with that. But that's a real fear. I mean, and that's where I'm coming from too. Talking about the students I work with, the socialization piece is so important um, to be around people who exhibit pro-social behaviors. Um, is important for students. Um, who have trauma backgrounds, who are on the spectrum, who have a wealth of different um, other issues that they need to learn how to navigate, you know? So yeah. I definitely, yeah, it, that's a real, it's a real fear, the, the socialization piece. I mean, my kid's, you know, basically pretty well adjusted, and he is missing friends, missing the routine of going to school. I mean, I just read him the email from the district about starting online, and he was there was just so much dread in his face. He was so sad about it. Oh, but like he misses his friends, you know. So yeah. it is. It's hard. I mean, there's also people around here talking about doing like learning pods. So like, for example, you are like you and maybe two or three other families have been socially distancing together and you take turns with childcare and academic support and supervision while the other parents work. And like you take, you take turns kind of managing all of that. Oh, wow. Um, so that I think means, that that yeah. has a lot of good potential, although people are being chastised for doing it too, because they're, you know, it's not socially distancing, but I think if you, I think if I mean, like for us, we've been socially distancing with two other families for the most part. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would feel comfortable, you know, watching their kids and having their kids in my house. And, mm -hmm. and so, yeah, we're going to have to be creative this year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely are. Yeah. Um, they, in Philadelphia, uh, my niece and nephew, uh, their mayor just, you know, each shut down schools for the fall. So, the first quarter, they're going to be home. And luckily, yeah. my mom lives with my sister, so she'll be there watching the kids. That's but, I nice. mean, like you said, not everybody has that option. You know what right. I mean? Um, I'm, I'm glad me and Christy don't have kids yet because, yeah. I mean, I don't know what we would do. I'm pretty sure uh, her mom would, uh, yeah. <laughs> would, oh, yeah, know, she would. kidnap our baby. <laughs> but, you know. Oh, yeah. And when y'all got a new baby, like, I mean, it makes sense to have, like, uh, uh, like, for example, like, if Chrissy's mom would, like, come stay with you, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I know that the women in my family, when I had my baby, like, them coming over, washing the dishes, you know, you need, the families need so much support that first year, you know? 
Yeah. yeah. Especially the yeah. first couple months. And there's like, you know, even just thinking about Jay, like your mom living with your sister, like that is a blessing and a gift that a lot of people like. I think we're so individualistic in our society, particularly in North America, where we all think we need to live in our own silos. But actually, multi generational households are like have so much rich like community within their household because of the different generations living together. Oh yeah. And it's it's really like if we think about like historic cultures and societies like people lived together. You see you had your parents lived with you and stayed with you um if they needed to. So I yeah, I I yeah. it's going to be hard it's going to be really hard for a lot of families who don't have that kind of situation set up already. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's the problem with American uh individualism as a whole. If, yeah. Uh families, you know, they break off and everybody's living, you know, further away from each other now, so you don't really have that uh you know, that uh that community that, yeah. that other countries have. And when I say other countries, I mean countries of the third world. Yeah. It is um, totally a white people thing. I mean, in my yeah. opinion, I'm, well, I'm, it's a, it's a Western, it's a Western yeah. thing. Like it's, yeah, it's, a, yeah, it's, it's every country in the West is the same. Like yeah. we all, yeah, we break off. You're pressured to leave your parents' house. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, yeah, you're threatened with it from the time you can, you know, start writing cursive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, our society measures success that way. Oh, you're you're 18, you got a job, you moved out, you're successful, and that's mm-hmm. you know really unfortunate. I'm uh, currently in a book club right now with some other educators. We are reading um, culturally responsive teaching in the brain, so it's about brain science and how we respond to diverse groups of students and. Um, one of the biggest things, like kind of the how she introduces the book, the author is Zaretta Hammond. She's amazing. Um, is this discussion around individualism and collectivism and how um, our society geared towards individualism really is a disservice to students from diverse backgrounds because mm-hmm. that's not how their families operate, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we come in. Um, with our kind of white people ideology that we, you know, the whole pull yourself up by your bootstrap uh, mentality. And it just is like, it doesn't work for all students. <laughs> you know, I have to say more, but it just doesn't work for all students. And it's, um, it's really unfortunate that, that our education system is geared that way. And it takes a lot of reform. I mean, I this is a time because we're not in school right now and we're having to change so many policies. This is a great time for educational reform. Um, if yeah, it is. Could get on board with it, you know. I mean, a lot needs to happen. Oh yeah. Oh and, yeah. I mean, in that in that way, you know, in the way I've said this before, that COVID nineteen has really put a spotlight on a. Uh, on all America's problems. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like all across the spectrum. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really it's... has. I mean, on race issues, healthcare issues, education issues. I mean, so many things. Like, yeah. Yeah. 
So, I mean, it, in that way, I don't want to call it, you know, a blessing in disguise, but it's really an eye-opener. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, and, uh, I, I don't want to focus, you know, solely on dread. We're going to get to the other side of this. Right. We are. Like, we're, we're going to, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's... This is not. I mean, this this the world has been through stuff like this before. We've had the Spanish flu and you know right. polio and stuff yeah. like that. Like the Great so, Depression. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we're we're gonna get to the other side of this, but I mean, yeah. at the same time, we can't be stupid about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, can't be rushing to open everything up. Like, this case is rising across the country. And this fool in the White House is, is trying to make himself look good by sending people back to school. But at I the know. same time, he wants to he wants to postpone the election? Like, yeah. yo, dude. Yeah. Like, can't I have mean, it both ways, bro. I also think it has a lot to do with kind of their secret agenda with Betsy DeVos trying to, like, kind of dismantle public education. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so that part and, like, privatizing education is such a travesty and, like, such, mm-hmm. oh, it's just, like, oh, it makes me, like, my blood pressure rises when I think about it. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Not yeah, okay. they're, they're definitely going to use this as an excuse to cut funding for, for public schools. Because, I mean, there's no way parents are just going to be like, oh, I guess... I guess they want to send y'all back to school. Uh, uh, all right, I'm gonna just go along with that. Like, right, like exactly. It's, like, there's no way in the world. So, like, yeah, they're they're using this as an excuse to cut funding for education. That's Which what that's we about. We can't afford any more cutting. Like, I have huh. seen the things that I have seen in just my ten years in education is crazy. Like, when I started working as a teacher, my first year. I was a special ed teacher. I got a special stipend to write paperwork. I got an extra like four grand a year to write paperwork. I had a ton of staff. There was social workers in schools. Maybe they were just ending to today. We're like, there's school districts in my area that don't have school counselors. They do not have one single mental health person on site to help oh my navigate. God. No school counselors and then the in my district now we do have school counselors but their capacity like they're in charge of so much and become pseudo administrators that they're not really doing the school counseling bit anymore you know we don't have social workers anymore they cut them our school nurses we have one school nurse who goes to 15 different schools (gasps) you know what I mean it's like oh my god you know, like, it's nuts. We probably have, I think we have, like, so our school district is pretty big. I don't know the numbers offhand. I'm going to say around 16,000 students. We oh probably have 10 school nurses for all of that. Wow. Like, oh, my God. It's insane, you know? Why, why are we, why, as a nation, are we so cool with, like, screwing our teachers and our children and our families like this? Like, what yeah. in the heck? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, previously, I was only aware of, like, teachers being severely underpaid. And, but now, like, all the stuff, people talking about it more, I'm like, my God, is there anything more important than the education of our children? Like, there isn't. (laughs) There isn't. That's the thing. There isn't anything more important, and we are taking it for granted. I mean, when I was a classroom teacher, I spent hundreds of dollars of my own money to make my classroom what I wanted it to be. Oh, 
you know, I mean, I, I'm in a different capacity now. My, my current position is a special ed consultant. And so I do a lot of like evaluation. I work with families a lot and teachers. Um, but still, everybody's constantly trying to be creative. How are we going to make, you know, $5 be $50 for our classroom? Oh my gosh. It's crazy. It's really unfortunate. Um, yeah, it's, it's sad. Wow. Yeah, and, uh, like, I remember when I was in school, and, like, I really noticed the uh, <laughs> the, the, the funding that happened. Because, like, when I first started in elementary, I remember there was, like, there was, like special ed classes and, like, mm-hmm. the, the gyms had, had basketball hoops on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we, yeah. we, actually, we actually had physical education. Then I got yeah. to high school, and it was like, it was the 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 school counselor was also like the vice principal. Yes, yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. like what the hell is going on there? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like you can't you can't talk to kids about their problems and then turn around and go, okay, I'm gonna suspend this kid. Yeah, right. Like, 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 yeah. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that's yeah. that's a conflict of interest right there. I mean, yeah. Like they can't come to you and tell you it. stuff. Yeah. yeah. They put they put uh, school counselors in really precarious positions. In fact, I have two close friends who were school counselors who are now doing different positions because the the wear and tear of that particular position of being there for their mental health needs and then also having to be a disciplinarian is yeah. so like anti like it's it doesn't work. You know, it's just yeah. Like, it's like like how are you go- how are you going to do that? Like you can't. Yeah. You can't have uh-huh. kids come to you for their problems and then you turn around and discipline them too. Like it's oh yeah, they're not gonna come to you with their problems yeah. anymore. It's, right, it's just well, not I'm, gonna work. I mean, we could probably do a whole podcast about discipline in schools anyway. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Well, I mean, as a as a as a black man, I can I can attest to there's a reason why there's they call this the. Uh, the uh, school to prison pipeline. Oh, absolutely. Because, yeah, yeah. There, I mean, racial injustice is not just embedded into our government. It is embedded Mm -hmm. in every major system in this country, and education does not get to escape that. I mean, education is geared towards the average intelligence white child. That is what it's geared towards, and we can... We can say that it's not. We can say that, oh, but what about these programs and this? And it is a systemic problem that needs to be dismantled. I mean, I think that's kind of, we can't just say, we're going to put this program in place. And look, we fixed the racial disparity in our district. (laughs) Yeah. No, we haven't. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a big deal. I mean, I find... um, educators to be high on the responsibility chain for making these um, social justice changes and, yeah, and being part shame. of that dismantling of that system of white supremacy. So <laughs> it's a shame yeah. that we have to, we have to do that. You know I mean? We have to rely on, you know, teachers mm-hmm. to, to be underfunded. Uh, yeah. Risking their lives now. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it is a shame, but, like, 
I feel like the dismantling of these systems starts with education. Like we can be mm-hmm. out in the streets and protesting. And I think that a lot of good changes come out of protests and stuff, but, but education is the key. And if you, um, as a white person or me as a white person can't see, um, you know, kind of that beginning pattern of privilege and, um, oh, yeah. know, our, our white fragility and all of that. Like that's what oh, education yeah. is the biggest thing. So you have to educate yourself first so that you can educate other people. Exactly. Um, absolutely. So that's kind of, that's been my mission um, in this time is just to educate others. Right on. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, Speaking of protesting, yeah, <laughs> there's a few. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you being in Oregon, I know that's a hotbed for uh, yeah. for protesting. It seems like there's a this unrest going there every year. Seems like like I remember you you came to you came to uh to Pennsylvania one year. I forget when this was. I think it was for Christmas a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were we were talking about uh uh what was that the the, Fer- the Ferguson riots and then y'all had y'all had protests there before. You know what I mean, yeah. yeah. So I've been I've been involved in quite a few protests here in Eugene. Um, and and I you know it's been great to be a part of them. I wouldn't say that they've affected too much change, but, but there are definitely people are speaking up. Mm-hmm. Um, to give you some background, if you don't know, Oregon is a really uh, white state. Um, back in the early 1900s, Oregon was considered what they called a white sanctuary. So mm-hmm. if you didn't want to live around black people, you came to Oregon. Um, so there's a lot of racism, just like ingrained in this state and the people who live here. That being said, in recent years, I'd say in the last 50 years, we've had tons of transplants come to this state um, because we do have kind of uh, more relaxed laws around things. Um, it's a beautiful state. It's a good place to kind of be off the grid if you want to. Um, and so you have this mix of people like people who maybe their families have been here for decades and decades and that kind of white supremacy is inbred in them and then there's a whole new group of people people who came here for kind of more freedoms and liber liberations you know and so um portland and eugene end up being really liberal communities for the most part um really supporting things like black lives matters and same-sex marriage and um things like that so but there is definitely you know that that there's a clash here for sure um and white supremacy runs pretty thick through these countrysides in Oregon yeah yeah I can imagine um it's it's funny you mentioned the uh the the white sanctuary thing Mm -hmm. I was listening to this one podcast where they was they were talking about uh how how they would they would basically they would like forbid freed slaves from moving to the west mm-hmm. and the, the the northwest in 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 particular you know what i mean like yeah and they wouldn't allow chinese people to move there uh yeah, yeah so i've i've heard this before so yeah, yeah. Uh, 
doesn't surprise me that, that you know, after years of that, that it's like, <laughs> you know, it's ingrained in the area. Oh, still. yeah. I mean, Eugene itself is named after a man named Eugene Skinner, who was a known white supremacist. Uh. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely um, an interesting dynamic and dichotomy to have here, because, like I said, Eugene is a very, very liberal city, as is Portland, you know. Um, But then you don't have to go very far um, to see all the Trump tent signs everywhere, (laughs) you know, like... 15 miles outside of the either city limit and you know you it's, it's very apparent that dichotomy exists here yeah, yeah. well I, I know you're pretty much used to that living in pennsylvania yeah. <laughs> it's the same here yeah uh, live can attest to that she lives in perry county yeah, yeah. Yep. So. oh my god totally <laughs> yeah yeah it's a real kid out here I went to school in Williamsport. Uh, my husband and I went to school in Williamsport. So, um, yeah, I mean, I know it's everywhere. Oh, and yeah. There's a lot of shitheads in Williamsport, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's everywhere anyway. You know, we can say there's more liberal cities, there's more conservative cities, but mm-hmm. it is so, uh, you know, just deep-rooted and systemic that it's it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, in, in all honesty, like, I would rather, and I've seen, like, memes like this going around, like, please show me your Confederate flag and, you know, show me your true colors right from the get-go. Show me that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I would yeah. rather see that up front than have mm-hmm. to figure it out because you're being sneaky and posing as something else that you're not, you know? Yeah. That That's, that's one of the things that uh, freaks me out is uh, people, like, Folks around here being able to mask, yeah. you know, their shit and like present themselves as being uh, something other than what they are. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, oh, no Confederate flag. Uh, that it doesn't excuse you because right. you don't have a Confederate flag in your house or in the back of your truck. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the whole that's the whole uh, analogy for uh, Democrats versus Republicans. As a leftist, when you, you know who the Republicans are already. You know what right. I mean? Right. But you, I mean, the, the Democrats are just as conservative as, as the, the Republicans are, but they don't, you know, they don't show it upright because they're not being overtly racist. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So, but yes. that overt racism is actually just so toxic and the worst kind mm-hmm. of them all, you know, like it really is. Yeah. Mm hmm. But it's it's like at least you know where they stand. You know yeah. What I mean? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like it's no it's it's horrible. You know yeah. what I mean? But yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's you can start that, right? of distrust then. Like I already don't yeah. trust you because of that. You know. But yeah. with us, with people who are covert about it, you could potentially start at a place of trust with them, mm-hmm. and then really taken off guard by some all yeah. life matter bullshit. And yeah. I imagine that's more traumatizing too, like expecting someone that you're on some level of agreement and like letting them in. So there's a greater wounding and trauma when it's like, oh shit, like I, right. I, I thought, I thought man, this was better. Man, I've had so many friends that like I thought were like cool, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it hit, well, what about black on black crown? Like, oh, what Whoa. the hell? That is not what this. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, like yo, what the hell, man? Yeah. Yeah. 
Like, have you ever seen me kill anybody? Like, what what do you mean, what about black on black crime? I'm not a criminal. Yeah. Exactly. (sighs) Well, and it's not what the conversation is right now. The conversation isn't black on black crime. The conversation is white supremacy and systemic racism and oppression. That's what the Mm -hmm. conversation is. I mean, black on black crime, like, it's like as stupid as saying, let's talk about white on white crime. Like, (laughs) oh, yeah, anyway. Yeah. I mean, yeah. crime is crime. Like, right. criminals commit crimes. Like, yeah. that's just the way it is. And then our country is so segregated. Yeah, yeah people yeah. who kill people or commit crimes on people are going to look like them. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, if you, like, there's black people who are saying that. Well, we got to stop killing each other. And I'm like... I'm like, yo, I've never killed anybody, and you've right. never killed anybody. Right. Oh my so, god. So like, what are we talking about here? Like, right. yeah. All you're saying to me when you say that is that you think we're all uh, innately criminals. Right. That's yeah. all you're saying to me when you say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, any of us are, are capable of committing crime at any time because right. you know, what I mean, you should just have it in your mind already that oh, he black, he a criminal. That's just right. the way it is. And right. you know what I mean? That that way of thinking is the reason why we're in this... The reason why George, George Floyd's life was snuffed from him yeah. and so many people didn't care about it. It was like, oh, oh he's a criminal anyway. It don't matter. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it does. Even if he was a criminal, it don't matter. Law enforcement shouldn't be killing people nope. on the spot. Like, you have a right, you have a right to a fair trial. Yeah. I mean, mean, everybody does. So that, I mean, we could go on and on about uh, white criminals, too, who have been treated with the utmost respect for more heinous crimes. Mm -hmm. A big one is the whole Dylan Roof thing. um, He was escorted out gently, given the last meal, you know, all of that, or given his meal, whatever, you know, like, and he fucking killed people, right? Yeah. We're talking about, you know, let's just say George Floyd had let's just say it was true that he had a counterfeit bill or whatever that in no way makes it okay for him to die. Nobody should die for that. Like that is just insane. Like, yeah, I know I had family members um, who were posting things, not in our family day, but um, Mm. other family members who were posting things like posting George Floyd's rap sheet. Are you kidding me? Like, what is even happening here? So, like, I could list your rap sheet too, homie, and uh, <laughs> that means you should die. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, right. Like, I don't yeah. So, yeah, it's it's frustrating. Yeah, yeah. What if we made a list too of all the shit white people are getting fucking away with? You right. know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a sad system right now. I mean, yeah, it needs to be dismantled. That's all I keep saying. Like this keep trying to use my voice to educate other white people about, you know, the system. The system is what's messed up, and the system needs to be changed. Um, I'm not trying to be uh, toxic. Like, okay, so in the face of everything, like, I'm not trying to bring in some toxic positivity, but I will say that um, before this podcast, before, you know, a lot of things have been going on, like, I'm just... I'm amazed that there's so many people like, like on on the right side, and like in alignment, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, 
I appreciate your preface of the toxic positivity because that's like one of my biggest pet peeves. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> the whole only good vibes and no bad days. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that shit, yeah, that shit really gets awesome. on my nerves. Yeah. yeah, me too. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I hate that shit. <laughs> but no, there is, I mean, I am, I'm seeing the people who are willing to stand up and, and just even have the conversation. Like, I think that's half of the battle. Like, just have a conversation and realize, like, hey, I might have something to learn here. I might yeah. have something to change here you know like mm-hmm. it's actually a sign of intelligence and progress to change and recognize those things about yourself yeah um, do better with new information exactly but like we live in a in a that kind of individualistic society that says what I'm not you can't tell me what I'm doing wrong you can't point these things out about me you know mm. um yeah and it's not helpful yeah, yeah that's, that, that's that American exceptionalism yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, totally. a lot of people bleed that over. They bleed over the, they take the American exceptionalism and turn it into individual right. exceptionalism. You know right. what I mean? Right. I, can, yeah. I can go wrong. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, it's it's that that thing that's ingrained in every. Like even I had to deal with it myself, so I'm not I'm not above reproach here. You know, I mean, a lot of people, they can't admit when they're wrong. <laughs> so, you know, it, I mean, it's... It's hard for people. It's really hard mm-hmm. for people to admit that. Yeah. I mean, if you're in a relationship with another person, you know that. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Like, right. Exactly. Relationships is being able to admit when you're wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, don't I know it. <laughs> yeah, you're married to my sister. <laughs> <laughs> Who I love. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love, I love you too, babe. <laughs> Ooh, she's gonna listen to this one because you're she, on it. Is yeah, she? Yeah. Yeah. I bet my husband he doesn't listen to that. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Motherfucker. That's enough. That's all I'll say. <laughs> uh, um. All right. Uh. So along those lines. What's going on in Portland uh, with the stormtroopers and whatnot? I love when you said that to me earlier. Uh, <laughs> I was cracking up like, they really are stormtroopers, yo. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I it's been going on for months. I think that it's gotten more attention lately because it's being caught on film a little more. Um, but yeah, un, un, unidentifiable stormtroopers just kind of coming in and fucking shit up. So... I mean, I've seen, I'm sure you've seen them too, but several, uh, several films or, you know, videos of people just getting taken away into unmarked cars. Yeah. Who knows where they end up? I mean, we haven't heard from those people. Those people aren't posting anything about the aftermath of it. So who knows where they are, what's happening. Um, but then Portland started, they had a bunch of moms go out and kind of form Mm -hmm. a wall and so the you know the wall of moms in Portland and dads joined too and even so like they're getting pepper sprayed and gas and yeah. rubber bullets I mean it's it's insane and it's I mean our governor made a statement about this needs to stop the federal government needs to pull these people back and nothing is changing so they're still occupying those areas as far as I know and um it's devastating. I mean, 
they're using Oregon as an example right now. It's just going to be a matter of time before this happens in other cities, too. Yeah, what it, the, the, Trump is saying he's sending them all out to, to like, other democratically held cities. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the, I, I just read recently the DA of Philadelphia was was saying, well, if you send them here, uh, we'll prosecute them to the fullest extent of the law. So yeah. at least at least the DA in Philly is like, yeah, no, no. yeah, <laughs> we're not we're not doing this here, like, right? Um, <laughs> and I can't say much about what our uh, the Oregonian government is really doing about it right now, um, mm-hmm. because I haven't been super invested in that particular topic right now because I have yeah. so much other <laughs> topics that I'm invested in. But but yeah, I mean it's really sad. I and and. I mean, it's happening here, too. I've been a part of a few protests here in Eugene and Springfield in this um, time period. And, you know, there's definitely um, a lot of pushback from the other side. I was at a protest a few weeks ago where the police were refusing to help direct traffic. They were sitting there with their arms crossed, just looking at us all. Um, kind of with disdain and refusing to direct traffic. So protesters were directing traffic. And because they weren't official people directing traffic, this one car basically like just plowed through a group of pedestrians mm. um, and in the process hit this other young lady's car and sped away. Nobody went after them. Nothing happened. Like, And it was all because the police wouldn't help you know what I mean? And that's yeah. the real issue is like, and I know I've seen a few pictures of a few cities where the police are trying to join forces with protesters. Um, that's certainly not happening here. And Well, I mean, to be honest with you, it's the, the police that are doing that, it's just for a photo op, like for right. prop, they call it copaganda. Like they, yeah. they do that. And then an hour later, they're, they're you know, cracking skulls and shooting right. canisters at people. So, yes. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to say yeah. it's all of them, but I mean, it's quite it's a few of them are doing yeah, that. It's a so. lot. And that's, to me, like, that that spoke volumes, like, to actually see that cop. And I think he was even, like, a, a Homeland Security cop. Like, he just mm-hmm. to sit there, he had his, like, you know, Kevlar vest on and, and this stupid smirk on his face and his arms crossed as he's just watching all these protesters go by. And it's just like, it just, if I had a photo up at that opportunity, it would just really describe like the attitude and the divide that's being mm-hmm. created or perpetuated um, right now. So, yeah, it, it's interesting. <laughs> it's yeah, the, the thing the thing that gets me about cop culture, like I I, I really don't understand the uh the thing here. Like they they feel as though attacking systems is attacking them individually. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's weird. Like like when yeah, you say you're, you say you're in education, right? So yeah. When people say, oh, we gotta reform education. Do you get mad? Like no, I do not take it as a personal attack. No. Yeah, (laughs) like why? why, I don't understand. I mean, I do understand it because I know the way. I know the way cops think. Like they, Uh they don't think they're part of the, you know, the proletariat. Right. You know, I mean, they think they're separate. You know, I mean, they're soldiers 
right. or the law or whatever. You know, they're, yeah. they're not really civilians. At least that's what they think. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're just as part of the working class as anybody else, bro. I'm sorry to t- right, tell right, you. Right, but, right. You know what I mean? Like, they're fucking you, too. I hope you know that. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you don't get paid that much, bro. So, right, I don't right. know what the hell you think, but, you know what I mean? Whatever. But, you know, that's that's what they think. But it's like we're 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 not we're not uh calling any individual cop like bad. Right. I mean, I, well, I am. I'm I'm, I'm calling. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like for the most part, we're protesting a system. Right. You know, what I mean, we're not protesting the individual cop. Like I know some cops mm-hmm. who are good dudes. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. For the most part, but like. That dude that I know, he's he's not, you know what I mean, his the thing I, I I see him as a person. I don't see him as a cop, you know what I mean? Right. So a, a lot of these cops need to understand that like, yo, just because we're we're mad at the system ain't got nothing to do with you. You don't have to be so so bent out of shape about it, bro. Right. <laughs> like, no, like I mean yeah, you can take that uniform personal. off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they take it really personal. Um, but also, I mean, at the same time, they are contributing to upholding that system. Yeah. Yeah. You know, by not be willing, by not being willing to speak up or to, um, you know, mm-hmm. try to affect change on on the level that they can. Yeah. They they got they got a they got a union right. Like they should be able to change things. Yeah. Uh, don't get me started on the police unions. Just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the only union the government the government won't fight is the police unions. Yeah. That's yeah. the only one. Yeah. Every yeah. other union they'll dismantle like that. Right. But it comes to police the, unions, whew, boy. And the police unions are making decisions and calls that are out of their jurisdiction. Like yeah. you know, the union is there to protect the employees. To an extent, but like disciplinary action and things like that, protecting people who need disciplinary action or who need to be let go is, you know, totally not what the union was intended for. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's these, man, these police unions, man, like I really don't understand. And then the, they're like affecting policy now. Right, right. I mean, uh-huh. like they're, they're donating to to uh, Republican lawmakers, yeah. and they're not supposed to be doing that shit. That should be illegal. Yeah, right? you, know, you know, I mean, that's just the way our system is. Absolutely. You know, I mean, corruption runs deep. It does. It yeah. does. I also think about like what it, what kind of person, what kind of person can do that job like uh long term because i remember um i worked with a woman her her husband was in the cops and they would talk about oh cops are the biggest drinkers they have these wild parties nobody gets drunk like a cop and you know all those motherfuckers go to this fucking cop party get fucking shit faced and Mm -hmm. drive the fuck home and then you know what next day next week they're like you know pulling people over for duis and shit like that like the level of cognitive fucking dissonance yeah like, how special do you fucking think you are? And then they tell them that they're special, but, like, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's light. Like, that's a, that's a dumb, light, entry-level fucking example of the hypocrisy that's going on here. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, 
that is pretty prevalent no matter what system you're you're looking at you know that holding high standards but not fulfilling those standards yeah. yourself yeah. yeah yeah it's 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 that way in every every uh level of government not not just the police you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> it like is it's a whole bunch of politicians right. not paying their taxes yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they uphold laws to send you to jail for not paying yours. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh man, right. our system is so corrupted, man. It really is. Oh yeah. All right, so we'll we'll come full circle. In the beginning, we talk about the election. Um, as I said before, I might surprise you on this. Being a black man in America. Uh, being being a leftist in America, it, it's conflicting because uh, I see the harm that uh, Donald Trump is doing to my community specifically. So I feel like I have to vote for Joe Biden to get Donald Trump out of office. So you know that's that's like how I'm leaning now. I'm 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 happy to hear you say that, Dick. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Listen, I know it's hard. I think that there's a, a large number of people who really wanted to see Bernie um, at least have you know viable candidacy, and mm-hmm. so I you know it is hard. I I look at uh, Joe Biden, and I don't think that he has much of a backbone. I think that his agenda is shifty and shady. Um, but I don't think that he is as influential and heinous as the other dude is. So, I mean, yeah, I, I plan on voting Biden this year. Um, and like I said, uh, you know, Biden sucks, but I'm going to vote Biden because um, I think that the damage um, that Donald Trump has done is, is next level. And I, I can't really foresee another four years. Yeah. Of, of a lack of leadership and overt racism running the country. Like, I just, I can't, I, I don't want to see it. And I, I really hope more people get on board with, um, you know, and I, and that being said, like, I really do think that the two party system needs to be dismantled. I just don't think that this is the election that we try to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's been the thing with me lately. Like, uh, the two-party system isn't going to change from the top up. It has to happen from the bottom. Right. You know what I mean, up. So we have to focus on more on local elections. I know local elections are harder to do because so many of us us live in different areas. Like we don't like it's easy to talk about national elections because you know we're, we can all get together and you know strategize about how to you know, who we going right. to vote for and all this. But if you live in your your district, your county or whatever, mm-hmm. like only you know what's going on there. So we have exactly. to find people who who live in our area who think like-minded. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I and affect change where you live yes. first. Yes. And then, and then we can, you know what I mean, you know what I mean, work our way up. Right. Well, and a lot of, I mean, with the two-party system and trying to get more um, candidates on the ballot, that that comes down to financial means, too. I yeah. mean, you got to have a boatload of money to to be able to run as a candidate in this country. Mm-hmm. 
if we we need to have more like grassroots organizations who can support financially people who are outside of that two-party system. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you know, there's there's progressive Democrats that I, that I, I like, you know, the AOCs, the mm-hmm. Johan Omars, you know, mm-hmm. those those types. So, I mean, it's it's not outside of the, the, the realm of possibility that we can change the Democratic Party. But at this point, uh, with two two runs of Bernie Sanders being, you know, basically shut out. Yeah. Or, both of those, both of these elections were rigged against them, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. Yeah. Um, and I mean, currently, forty-five is trying to rig it again by delaying election um, yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he doesn't have the authority to do that, but at the same time, he'll him saying it is is dangerous in itself. Yeah. Because his followers will will agree with that. Oh, yeah. You'll yeah. have millions of people going, yeah, we should de- de- delay the election. Right. Even though the lawmakers are saying, no, we're not doing that shit. No. Right. And, uh, yeah, there'll, there'll mean, be yeah, people saying it. You know what I mean? There's a huge uproar about voting by mail, but let me tell you, Oregon has always voted by mail. I mean, mm-hmm. I it is the best system. I love that I can I get my ballot in the mail. I take my time. I read things. I make informed decisions, and then I drop it off at a mailbox or stick it in the mail. You know, like it's it's so easy and um, and private, and you know, it's just the way to do it. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and and tell me, if you guys in Oregon, I don't know if you've researched this, have you had uh, any trouble with with voter fraud, with like mass voter fraud? I know the answer to this, but can yeah. you just tell me? <laughs> Is this a problem? Is this a huge no. problem? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. No, so, it you is know, not. This is the fear mongering we're having. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's sad because I think that people give that illusion, you know, that, that oh, you, you can't vote by mail. What, so many things could go wrong. But actually, it's worked for our state for a long time. And um, I don't think I've ever really seen any big news story that said anything about, you know, voter fraud or anything like that. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, the U.S. P- Postal Service is the one doing this, and they're like, first of all, I don't understand why USPS gets this bad reputation. Like, I don't understand where this is coming from. Like, I've not, I've, <laughs> like, think about your mail. Yeah. Are people like opening your mail at, at on mass? Like it, like are you getting your mail in a timely fashion? Oh yeah. You know what I mean, like for the about, most part, I've definitely had my issues with. The yeah, yeah. I mean, you had every right. once in a while, you you right. have a problem. Right. But I mean, it's not like it's happening all the time. You know what no, I mean? Them, it's not on the regular. No. Yeah, them bills getting getting your mailbox fine, don't they? You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> sure so do. I don't understand this this <laughs> this bad reputation the USPS is getting. Like, yeah. where's where's this shit coming from? Because they they're the most reliable out of all the all the delivery uh, yeah. companies. You know what I mean? Like FedEx and UPS and all them. They'll, they'll throw your package on, on on the ground somewhere. Oh no yeah. doubt. You know what <laughs> I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Half the time you won't get it. They'll put it in the wrong place. They'll take it to the wrong house. 
USPS always delivers your stuff to the right place for the most part. Like 85% of the time, it's it's fine. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure it's Like I'm yeah. pretty sure. Like it's fine. Like it's not it's not gonna be mass <laughs> voter fraud. Like it's just not yeah. gonna happen. Like yeah. it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Like yeah. I mean the only thing with it is that like it'll take longer for the for the election to uh be finalized. Like they're gonna have to count all those votes. Right. <clears throat> oh god. Yeah, so we're gonna be on pins and needles for, you know, a week after. Oh. What yeah, <laughs> yeah, 'cause usually you find out that night, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I'm all for, you know, mail-in ballots. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I I think we should be doing it regardless of the, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. The problem is that the Republicans don't want a lot of people to vote so because they know they're the minority. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and they, yeah, so they limit access to, to poll, polling sites and mm-hmm. I yeah, everybody should have. I mean, it is it is our freedom and right in this country to be able to vote, and uh, the federal government should kind of lay the carpet out for us to be able to do that democratic process that we're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. Um. Thank you, Liz, for coming on. Uh. Yeah. It was really fun. Yeah, I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Liz. Well, yeah, thank you guys. I appreciate you having this podcast and kind of just being a, an outlet for people to have um, these ideas and conversations. Uh, thank you. Yeah, that's why we created this podcast, you know. Just, you know, I mean, not everybody gets to uh, have their voice heard. Yeah. Yeah, that's why Jay created this podcast. This is Jay's vision. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, good job, brother-in-law. Uh, thank you i appreciate it yeah all right y'all well thank you for having me mm-hmm. we're gonna have to have you back on maybe like uh you know with what's gonna happen coming up like i mean you're yeah you're, during the school year we'll definitely have to bring you back um, yeah definitely hit me up in november and i'll let you know how it's going <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah we'll definitely have to bring you back all right Liz, um, you have a good one. Um, happy belated birthday, like I said before. Thank you um, so much. You guys, take care. All right, take care. Take care. <clears throat> all right, this has been the Brand Down Podcast for Liz Johnson, for Olivia Seaman. I am Jay Hezekiah. We'll see you later.
George's mom loved him, and my kids love me, and I want to go home to them. But they agree that this is important. And it's not about some white ladies. It's not about me. It's about Black Lives Matter. There's so many amazing black women that have been doing this fight for years, and I showed up late. I'm so tardy to this party, but I'm making up for it because I'm so angry. So angry. And black, black people are allowed to be angry, and who cares if somebody graffiti's on this stupid building? We're talking about human lives. Cop shot the kid, I don't wanna hurt nobody. We just came here to party, see a few dames, exchange some names. I'm a top shot, the kid stay in your lane. The cop shot the kid, same old same. Pour out a little liquor, champagne for pain. Slap boxing in the street. Crack the hydrant in the heat. Cop cars on the creek, doing they roundups. We just watch for the sweet. Yeah, it's hotter than July. It's the summer when niggas die. It's the summer when niggas ride. Together we'll be strong, but forever we divide. So y'all are blowing my high. Type of shit that's killing my vibe. White kids are brought it alive. Black kids get hit with like five. Get scared, you panic, you going down. The disadvantages of the brown. How in the hell the parents gonna bury their own kids, not the other way around? Reminds me of Emmett Till. Let's remind them why Cap kneels. Stay tuned up and down your timeline. This fake news, people, is all lying. Money is being made when a mom cries. Won't be satisfied till we all die. Tell me who do we call to report crime? If 911 doing a drive-by, it's certain things I can't abide by. I ain't being extreme, this is my side. Talking big shit, ready to die. I know every story got two sides. Claiming he's paranoid by the black guy. Cop wanna make a home by nighttime. Just a good kid, he wasn't that guy. Had a little head, he wasn't that high. Cop gon' claim that it was self-defense. Say he was riding dirty, so the case rinse. Working out of five. 